Howdy, folks. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of TGC Midweek. Jacob and Michael back with you on the pod. Michael, what's going on? You know, just enjoying my Tennessee volunteer football season right mm. now. It's amazing. I'm wearing the, <laughs> the power tee here on my left, yep. left yeah, breast. Nice. Celebrating an 8 0 season plus oh, wow. being ranked number one last night in the first oh, edition boy. of the college football playoff rankings. So I know that means nothing to you, well, Jacob. How about that? Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> congratulations Thank you. on that's on, great, man. Yeah. No one no one here in South Texas is around to share my joy. No, probably not. <laughs> so it's, now there's some folks, yeah, at the church. Yeah, yeah there are. You know, the Watsons some, yeah. are, are Tennessee grads. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we graduated just a year apart and um I saw joke, some big green. I, I was like, I don't. It doesn't quite I joke compete. with James with about that. <laughs> I saw some big grins on a Sunday morning, and I was just like, "Man, there's some really big grins going around." And somebody said, "Tennessee beat Alabama yesterday." Yeah, I was like, "That explains yeah. the grins and the jocularity." Yeah, yeah. Um, fellas, did you have a good Halloween? Excellent. Doing anything Halloween. fun? I mean, besides Halloween things? I, I passed out candy yep. for a few hours on my front porch while my kids walked around with other friends and folks that we had over that night for dinner and trick-or-treating. Yep. We took the kids trick-or-treating, got a lot of candy in the house, trying to get rid of some of it, you know. But uh, I already ate all the Whoppers because it's uh, God's gift to the candy world. I so. still cannot oh, believe that. <laughs> I, 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 but I love um, Almond Joy and Mouse. Oh, Almond Joy is so. great. Okay. Every year, Brittany and I have to have the same conversation where she sees me eating an Almond Joy around Halloween. She goes, you like Almond Joys? Love like, Almond how Joy. How can you not? <laughs> it's chocolate wrapped around this delicious, sweet coconut center with a delightful little nut almond. in the middle. It tastes like you're at the beach. So yummy. Good stuff. Love it. Well, this is the first uh, Halloween in your respective new neighborhoods, yeah? No, we had... Um, yeah, it would have been. No, we had no, Halloween we were, last year. Yeah, we were yeah. at your place last year for Halloween. Yeah, uh, this right. was our first Halloween in our new yeah. neighborhood, and it was it was great. There's a lot of young families in our neighborhood and our street is kind of a in the back of the neighborhood it's like a little long street or along the length of the neighborhood and there's kind of a it's kind of a low sloping hill and we kind of sit at the top of it and so you could look down standing the street in front of our house and it's just like this sea of kids and adults driving golf carts and stuff just like all over the place it was <laughs> like you couldn't drive wow. down it was it would have been very difficult yeah huh? it would have been very difficult to drive down the street Pre-dark uh, or once uh, post-dark? Um, you know, pre-dark is kind of when, uh, you know, 6, six o'clock, 6.15 is when mm-hmm. kids of my age group, we start getting going. And then uh, right as the sun is setting is is kind of when it started getting really busy. And then we were wrapped up by, the street was wrapped up by, I don't know, 7.30, 7.45. Wow, that's yeah. early. I think so. Yeah, it's mostly most of the young kids. Yeah, there weren't a there weren't a ton of big uh, like high school groups. Yeah, uh, going, going through it was mostly you know kids that are my kids' age or a little bit older. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I've noticed that seemed to be a big change from when I was growing up. I want to say I probably stopped trick or treating in middle school, but up until middle school, we we were out late. Like mm-hmm. I remember it being like dark. We were carrying the glow sticks around. And yeah, stuff. and 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 it wasn't uncommon for us to just go out in eight eight thirty, but I've noticed at least in my neighborhood, it's it's an early, early going around, and most folks are done by the time it's dark. Yeah, I seem to recall when I was, um, look, when I was growing up, I was a fat kid, so anything I could do to get candy, so I stuck to Halloween as long as possible. My mother had a rule where if you were too old to wear a costume, you were too old to trick or treat. So once I was like, I, you know, I can't dress as a baseball player anymore or something. I have to, then I quit trick or treat. But yeah, we would, uh, we would trick or treat in so and so's neighborhood and then go over to so and so else's neighborhood and trick or treat around there. It seemed like an all night thing. Um, but I wonder if more of the Halloweens that I remember fell on weekends. This was a Monday Halloween. Hmm, so yeah. Yeah. Yep. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, fellas, question of the week. Uh, World Series is going on. Not yep. sure if you knew this. Yeah, I knew it. Astros are in it. Cool they stuff. are. Um, if you were a professional baseball player, what would be your walk-up song? My walk-up song would probably be one of two things. First choice, and I guess I'll go with this choice, ACDC Back in Black. Mm. 
Dun. Dun, dun, dun. No, no, no. You know the song. Yes. Um, the other option would mm-hmm. be, uh, I don't know if any of you guys have heard Aloe Black and his song, The Man. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's another good walk-up song, in my opinion. So many great choices, but hard to beat ACDC back in black. Yeah. Yeah. Good choices. Interesting. What was that second one? Aloe Black. Aloe. The Man. Yeah. Like aloe, like you rub on your um, sunburn after you go to the beach. All right. I don't know if I know that one. Everyone so. knows the Back in Black songs. So yeah, you gotta play that. Yeah. I'll play the. I'm gonna play a little bit for the for the crowd. So that's you're, about get, you're about to get to it. Hold on, hold on. This is the chorus. Well, it's actually a great walk up song. Yeah. I'm the man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> there you go. That that could be my number one choice. I love it. I love it, man. You'd that's... have to be a good baseball player. Yeah, to have yeah. That one. you can't <laughs> on strike the man, out. On the man, on the man, on the man. Oh my goodness! Or you get that thrown right back at you. And it would, Amen. Make him yeah. yeah, the whole team, the opposite team, would be singing that back. It's to not you a prideful kinda... choice. I mean, it's not a, a humble choice. <laughs> um. So okay. So mine is in a similar vein, but also completely different because it's not so much the song as it is how you can w- kind of walk. It's got kind of a walking uh, tune. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, the rhythm of it kind of goes with my stride. Okay. Um, I had a friend <laughs> in college who, who played for our uh, college <laughs> baseball team. We were division three school and this was his walk up song. Uh-huh. And it is, it's an old country song. I don't even know who sings it called Amos Moses. Oh no, I've never heard. You've this. never heard no. this. It's a great song. <laughs> well, G will tell you who sings it here. If he can find it on yeah. Spotify, he I, might not be well, able to. I got a Jerry Reed. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. We'll take a real brief listen and hopefully not get copyright stricken. Hmm. <laughs> Number nine. <laughs> Coming up. That's a great walk-up song. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Knock him in the head with a stomp. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good one. I, I can honestly say that's the first time I've ever heard that song. Oh, come on. Yeah, really? Yeah. I've never heard that oh, one either. Need some culture, Michael. I do. That sounds like culture. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Gee, how about you? Uh, I probably used, yeah, this, uh, we, I, so this is, I'm kind of cheating a little bit because some friends asked me, hey, if they allowed walk-up songs in the courtroom, what would, <laughs> that'd be awesome. <laughs> it'd be kind of like if you open, door swings open and you kind of walk into the courtroom. What are some court shows, uh, you know, that have <laughs> intro <Yeah>. music? <laughs> um, and I asked, and so I'd probably use this one for multiple purposes. And I don't, I think you guys probably heard this. Um, it's Sledgehammer from Peter Gabriel. Oh, yeah. Great song. I'm getting a... I'll play a little bit, Jacob. Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah, yeah, appreciate it. Sounds like you'll have to come out of the fog with this song. It'll drop here. (laughs) Yeah. And you guys will feel what I'm talking about. This fits my my, uh, G-Mosey. Nice. There it is. All right. I like it. So there you go. For all you listeners out there, uh, send us your song. If What, what would you, your walk-up song as, as you listen to the podcast? Just think about that. We'd be interested to at least, uh, I don't know, we can't, probably can't play it on air, but we'd love to see it. We'll follow you around church and play it as you, <laughs> as you walk. As you walk. As you drop your uh, tithe into the box. (laughs) (laughs) When when I was younger and my wife and I, when we were just dating, she confided in me that anytime she sees me walk, like from across the campus when we were in college or something, or she she can't get enough of you. (laughs) When she sees me walk, she said she hears in her head some music playing that goes, bottom. Which is not flattering at all. Apparently, I walk around like some kind of Cro-Magnon oaf, you know? That sounds like the Snuffleupagus. I know, right? Come on. Come on, man. Uh, 
Oh, God bless her. I know. I know. Oh, and and she still married me. So jokes on her, I guess. <laughs> um, that's all right. Awesome. Michael, regularly scheduled programming. We could banter all night, though. That'd be fun. Yeah. <laughs> we should just have a banter episode, <laughs> a bottle episode. Um, folks, if you've been with us for the last few weeks, you'll know that we're working our way through a series on the Sermon on the Mount. And last week, I uh, had to put a pin in the Lord's Prayer section and coming back to that section this week to take out the pin and discuss that portion of the text. So, um, Michael, Lord's Prayer here in Matthew 6, kind of in, this, in, the, in the middle of that chapter there, um, a prayer that probably a lot of us know without having to even look at the words, because um, we've said it so many times. But uh, with that, why don't you give us a run and start and yep. get us going. Uh, you might remember that last week we entered chapter 6, and as we enter chapter 6 of uh, Matthew, Jesus has turned his attention to our spiritual life. What does it look like uh, to relate to God and engage in the spiritual disciplines, specifically things like giving, fasting, and praying? And he takes these things for granted. He doesn't say, if you give, if you fast, if you pray. He says, when you give, when you fast, when you pray. And in this chapter, Jesus is really focusing on our vertical relationship, our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And it might be nice to just define prayer right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might not know this, but our uh, Westminster standards actually devote uh, a good bit of real estate in the larger catechism and the shorter catechism to uh, explaining the Lord's Prayer. And if you're interested in finding out where this is in the standards, you can go to the Westminster Larger Catechism, question number 178 through 196, talks about the Lord's Prayer. Uh, And then in our shorter catechism, questions number 98 to 107, talk about the Lord's Prayer. And in case you don't know this, the Larger Catechism is a little bit more robust, uh, uh, gives more application uh, points. Uh, it's longer, um, given the name, longer catechism. Uh, and the shorter catechism is a little bit more succinct. And um, and it um, hits on the, the high points of what the larger catechism touches upon. And in, in days gone by, the larger catechism was actually what ministers or clergy were required to memorize. And the shorter catechism was written for children or newer believers, you might say. At least that's what I've heard. And uh, these days, though, um, the shorter catechism is what we require <laughs> clergy to, to memorize and and know. And um, and we're just happy if uh, if anybody in the pew knows uh, the rest of the uh, any of the standards. So, um, but what is prayer? Question number ninety eight in the shorter catechism asks that question, and the answer that the divines give is: prayer is an offering up of our desires unto God for things agreeable to his will in the name of Christ with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. And um, and then it goes on to basically talk about the Lord's Prayer uh, because question number 99 asks, what rule has God given for our direction in prayer? And the answer there is the whole word of God is of use to direct us in prayer But the special rule of direction is that form of prayer which Christ taught his disciples, commonly called the Lord's Prayer. And then it moves through the six petitions of the Lord's Prayer, along with the introduction or the preface and the conclusion. And it has answer and question to each of those petitions and preface and conclusion. And so it'd be worth your attention. We're not going to read all those question and answers tonight, uh, but we certainly will touch on the substance of what the Westminster Larger and Shorter Catechism talks about. But I think it'd be an interesting conversation maybe to just get the ball rolling to talk about the difficulty that we experience when it comes to prayer. Because if we're honest, we'd have to admit that prayer just does not come naturally to most of us. In fact, I hate to... I did not ask my daughter permission for this, and so I won't say it. Um, we were talking about prayer at dinner tonight, after dinner tonight, and the difficulty that we have when it comes to praying and how infrequent, infrequent it is sometimes in our lives. Um, but many, I think, would admit that we're uncomfortable, even frustrated a lot of times when we engage in prayer. Um, and we're not quite sure what we're up to or how we should do it. And in our passage, the Lord's Prayer from Matthew 6, Jesus is actually teaching his followers how to do it. Um, He knows that prayer is not natural. It has to be learned. 
And this is really good news for you and me because it gives us freedom to be learners when it comes to prayer. You don't have to be a prayer warrior just out the gates as a follower of Jesus. We don't have to have it all together when it comes to prayer. It's okay to be frustrated. And in a sense, we are all beginners when it comes to prayer. And so Jesus understands that. His disciples ask him, you know, what does it look like to pray? Um, and, uh, and then he gives them this prayer. And um, just another example of something that's written down for us that can become formal and rote, but also we can make it our own. And we'll talk about that through our conversation this evening, hopefully. Like, how can we take the Lord's Prayer and use it as a starting point to pray for even more, um, more of God's goodness and grace and uh, missional engagement in our lives um, just by taking these small phrases and expanding on them as we yeah. pray to the Lord. So why don't we go just kind of phrase by phrase through the prayer here and... Um, uh, as that brings to mind other concepts, we can kind of talk about that. Um, so the first phrase, our Father in heaven, yep. seems pretty straightforward, but um, it's kind of defining who we're talking to when we're praying. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, this this first phrase is is fairly chock full of uh, stuff to talk about if you think about it, um, because the organization of this prayer is important. And it begins by focusing on God and His work. You'll notice that the first three petitions focus on the Lord, and then the last three petitions focus on our needs. Um, but the order is important because it gives us a clue as to how to pattern our own prayer. Uh, we always want to begin with God and His work. God's glory is first and foremost. And then secondarily, yet still very important, not just to us, but also to God Himself or our needs and our desires. And so we want to pray from the top down, if you're thinking about it that way. And you see two aspects of who God is from this very first line of this prayer. We see that God, and we've talked about this before at Trinity Grace, He's both transcendent and He's eminent. In other words, we see that He is other. He's completely different. He is beyond us. He is in heaven, all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere present, and we're not. But we also see that we get to call Him Father. Um, He's involved in the details of our life. He is near. And so we can look at transcendence and talk about that for a minute, and then we can turn and look at eminence, but we don't want to spend a ton of time on this, I don't think. Um, But we see Jesus really highlight the transcendence when he addresses uh, God as one who is in heaven. Um, And the phrase isn't talking about so much as where God resides as it is that he is in control of the heavens. Um, the Christian God is one who is above and beyond, all-powerful, control of all things, and He's pointing us to pray to a God who has power to act on our behalf. He's in heaven, we're on earth. He's above us, we're below Him. He's infinite, we're finite. He's completely sovereign, we are not. And He's able to do whatever He pleases. That's what Jesus is trying to get across with this small phrase. And so we can approach a God who has the power to answer our prayers. And um, I, I don't think that a lot of us really have a problem understanding God as powerful and transcendent. We don't struggle with thinking of a God uh, who's in control and does what He pleases. I think many of us struggle more with the aspect or the fact that God cares about the small details of our life, um, that He is eminently involved in this world. Um, and you would agree that God is transcendent, I think. Uh, but some of us would question whether whether or not he really cares, and that really hits on his eminence. Yeah. Um, and and this is this is an interesting tidbit that we've mentioned a number of times at Trinity Grace. Um, but the fact that Jesus encourages his followers to address God as Father is very significant. It might not seem like a big deal to us. But it would have been controversial to these first century disciples of Christ because no one addressed God, Yahweh, as Father in the Jewish tradition. And there isn't one instance in the Old Testament or in all extra-biblical Jewish literature up to the 10th century 
where a Jewish person, person addresses God directly as Father in the first person with the word and the type of intimate detail that Jesus uses here. It was a completely new teaching, Jesus encouraging his followers to use this term of intimacy. And it was a word that Jesus uses here. He likely spoke Aramaic, and it's the word that you see again in Romans chapter 8, Abba, Father, Abba. And it was an intimate term um, used by children for their their father, something like Papa or Daddy um, in our language. And the God we pray to, Jesus is trying to get his disciples to understand, but it would have been completely new to them. Uh, This God is intimate, as intimate with us as a father is with his children. He's as compassionate and empathetic towards us as a father. He knows what we need. And so we pray to a God who not only is above us, but also understands us. He's transcendent and he's eminent. It's not either or, it's both and. And that's really what Jesus is getting across here in this first uh, first phrase of the Lord's prayer. Mm-hmm. So we have <clears throat> how God is addressed, our father capturing his imminence, and then sort of the following, I guess, descriptive of him as in heaven, capturing his transcendence. This then moves into um, hallowed be your name. I think appropriate since we just finished Halloween. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I don't know. That's where my mind goes. But hallowed be your name. Hallowed, kind of a fancy word for holy or revered or honored. Mm-hmm. Um, so so calling upon God's name to be uh, well respected and praised. Yep, absolutely. And and the way you can think about this is um, we should be praying big prayers. We should be praying kingdom prayers, and and those are the first three petitions that you see. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Mm-hmm. Um, these are uh, prayers that God might bring renewal and restoration to his world uh, that he's created and that we've ruined by sin. And so we pray big, uh, but then we also can think about praying small. Uh, we pray for our own personal needs in the final three petitions where we pray that we might have daily bread, have forgiveness of debts, and be uh, guarded from temptation. Um, And so it really highlights transcendence and eminence even in the structure of the prayer. Um, We pray transcendent prayers. We pray eminent prayers. God is holy. He's near. Um, But uh, when we talk about um, these petitions, we can think about the world, um, and we can think about our own needs Um, and uh, to put it simply, Jesus wants us to pray, like I said, for the restoration of this world. Um, And we can talk about uh, the hallowed aspect of things now. Um, And uh, when Jesus talks about uh, uh, this first petition, um, he is, um, or we're praying that God would enable us, this is from the shorter catechism, by the way, would enable us and others to glorify him in all that whereby he makes himself known and that he would dispose all things to his own glory. Um, and this might be an interesting place to talk about how we use God's word uh, to shape and form our prayers. A lot of times I think we're frustrated when it comes to prayer because you might wake up early, you get your coffee, you know, the kids are still asleep for the next 15 to 20 minutes. Um, you're sitting on the couch in a dark living room and you're just twiddling your thumbs wondering, what should I pray for? Yeah. And I think that that's a really misguided way to pray. It's not a wrong or sinful way by any stretch of the imagination, but we've got to allow God's Word to shape our prayers. And so we can't... Um, we want to pray God's Word back to Him, as Puritans might say, as the Puritans might have said. And so... Uh, to dis- divorce prayer from God's Word is the frustration we experience there. And so let's say I make my coffee, I sit down on the couch in my living room, and I open up a psalm and just read three verses, but then use those three verses to shape and form my prayer. Um, so for instance, might say Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, we could use that those two small phrases to shape uh, probably a three to five minute prayer if we wanted to. Lord, I'm a sheep. You know, I need your protection. I need your provision. You are my shepherd. Today, I want you to shepherd me. Um, I have many wants and needs in this life, and you're one who provides for all of them. So help me to trust and believe that. 
And I pray that you would provide for all of my needs today and that you would give me the faith to be dependent upon you with those needs as I experience through the day. Like, you know, that's reading God's word and then using it as a springboard to jump off into prayer Mm -hmm. as opposed to just sitting down and thinking about, well, maybe I should pray for, you know, the sore toe that, you know, which is fine. Um, But when we read this, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Like, Lord, I want my kids to see your name as holy and magnificent. I want my coworkers that I'm about to rub shoulders with for eight hours to see your name as holy and magnificent. I want to see your kingdom come and your will be done in my life, in my marriage, in my vocation, in my relationships. Um, I want to see um, my office space or my classroom um, mirror, you know, the priorities of, you know, this is the way you can jump off from God's word into prayer. I'm not saying anything that no one doesn't already know, right? No, this, this is helpful. I do think it's really important to, to, and I mean, if you look at the scriptures, you've got a wealth of things that the spirit might prod you to pray about as you're engaged in God's word. And so you're reading, praying, praying, reading, reading, praying, they go side by side. And I think that, you know, folks don't understand that. They're missing out on some real good ammunition, you might say, for praying according to God's will. So, yeah. Yeah. The your will be done part sort of implies that we can understand or that we, I guess, have some idea of what that, of what, it, of what God's will might uh, mean. And, and we can only surmise that from his work. Mm-hmm. And so to the extent we're praying for God's will to be done, we have to know what that is. Uh, we, so we have to have some familiarity with, with his word. And so um, I, that really resonated with me when we divorce prayer from scripture, that's where we're getting frustrated. That gap yep. there in the middle is where we're feeling the frustration. Cause then it's like, well, what am I doing? Yep. Well, you know, you're, we're talking to our father and, 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 you can't really have a conversation with someone that you don't know or is a, a stranger. And so how do we know God? Well, we can know him through his word and use that mm-hmm. as the as the guide for how we can talk to him and present yeah. our requests to him. Absolutely. And if you think about it, it's what we believe his word to be is, is his self-disclosure or revelation to us. And so he's sharing about him and then we get to share back through prayer in response and it's not that we're adding anything new to his word. Uh, it's not a mystic experience where, you know, we're coming up with new ideas, but we're receiving his word to us and speaking our words back to him. And if you have nowhere else to go, I mean, the Psalms are the perfect place to go. You know, if you're if you're struggling in your prayer life or if it feels like prayer is dry uh, at this season in your spiritual journey, uh, our walk with Christ, I mean, the Psalms were um, originally written as the hymn book of ancient Israel. They were corporate songs to be sung in worship, but a lot of them were written individually by David and other authors um, to express the full range of human emotion. Mm -hmm. And so not just can we sing them corporately, we can also use them privately to shape and to form our prayers. And if worse comes to worse, you know, you're just reading Psalms for prayer and that that's fine. Um, because you know you're praying according to God's will um, if you're praying His Word. So Psalms are a great place to go. Um, but you've got those first three petitions. Then you have the second three petitions, with which talk more about ourselves. It's not selfish to pray for our needs. It's not selfish to pray for our hurt big toe. I don't even know where that popped in my mind. Um, my, my big toes are fine, by the way, right now. It's the little ones <laughs> yeah, that get you. That's it's right. the ones on the end that help you I think you've talked about this before. <laughs> I have broken 100% of my pinky toes. I've never broken a toe. It sounds painful. <laughs> it is not fun. Well, th- it's how you walked in college is what's caused this pinky toe problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're waddling along like an I, ogre. I guess so, man. But those, the only reason why you have that fifth toe hanging off there on the end is to find yeah. door frames and bedposts in the middle of the night. Oh, so, man. Um, Nothing worse. A Lego might be a little, little it might be give, it, give a bedpost a run for its money. but I don't know. That doesn't usually require an x-ray. It sure doesn't. It's not so, breaking anything. Yeah. So in, in, in the last three petitions, we see three specific needs jump out in verses 11 to 13. 
And we're taught to pray for our daily bread, for the forgiveness of debts, and for the protection of evil. In other words, material needs, spiritual needs, moral needs. Mm. And so we can, you know, break those three uh, categories down. Material needs. I mean, bread was a big deal in that day and age. We've talked about this a number of times on Sunday morning, too. You couldn't go to the H-E-B and grab a loaf of bread. People were wondering where bread was going to come from sometimes. And so Jesus is simply calling us to continue to ask God for our daily needs, to recenter us back on the source of all that we have. He's our provider. And we just take our daily needs for granted most of the time, right? I mean, we've got food, we've got clothing, we've got shelter. Um, but, you know, we can pray for other needs that we might have as well. And if we have those needs already met, we can praise the Lord for that. Yeah. Um, and so material needs, important. You know, uh, just to, this, just a piece of trivia here for folks that might be interested. Um, and it underscores how important bread was in ancient, but then also like, even more recent than ancient cultures. The words Lord and Lady um, are related to one another, but they come from the English word Lord, for example. The old English word for Lord literally meant loaf guardian. Hmm. So it was the guardian of the bread. It was the one that protected the bread. Wow. And Lady was uh, loaf maiden. So it was the one that Yep. Made the bread or was responsible for the bread. So I wonder where the term bread winner originated. It, from the exact same source, right? That's what yeah. we still have the, the same kind of concept in our modern language when we yeah. talked about when we talk about a breadwinner or, you know, let's go get this bread, you know. Yeah. Um so uh just yeah, uh, fun fact, but then also mm-hmm. highlights the uh what you're saying here, bread such a uh, important commodity yeah. in that society. That's what you ate, especially if you were you know, a, a poor person. Bread sure. was, grain was the primary staple that people ate, and and bread was how you could make it in a way that was somewhat more stable over time yep. and could be used for a longer period of time. And um, I'm sure most of these folks, most days, that's you had some bread yep. at the end of the day, and that was it. That's all you ate. No such thing as a no carb diet back in those <laughs> <Yeah>. days. <laughs> bread and ale. That they was that's yeah. It. They didn't have that luxury. Yeah. Um, but, uh, it's, it, yeah, interesting to think about material needs, but then when Jesus teaches us to pray that our debts be forgiven, he's addressing our spiritual needs there. And he's teaching us to pray for forgiveness, to pray that God's grace might renew our hearts and lives, that his grace isn't just a one-time event, uh, but that we need it daily. Um, and so this is a prayer that you'd pray over and over again, forgive us our debts, um, the Christian life is one of continual confession, repentance, and renewal. Um, and so we're constantly coming to the Lord with our spiritual needs. But then also, um, when Jesus encourages us um, to uh, pray that we might not be led in temptation, he's talking about our moral needs. We need to be protected from falling back into struggles that we experience. Um, and I mean, he just assumes that we are prone to slip into darkness, back into shame. So Jesus teaches us to pray for protection. Um, and how many times have, uh, all of us probably prayed that prayer thinking, Lord, just protect me from this particular temptation or this particular besetting sin. Um, and we know that that, you know, that the temptation and the propensity to fall back into those things is, is true. And so those are the petitions there. Um, you've got petitions, like I said, that are transcendent, some that are imminent, some that are focused on God, some that are focused on us, but it's a really great encapsulation of, uh, what we should be praying for when we're praying. Yep. Um, are you team debts or team trespasses? I'm team debts normally, but <laughs> apparently I, I, a few weeks ago or months ago when we did it last at Trinity Grace, it was trespasses, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Um, Some folks say trespass. Most translations of the Bible I've seen say say debts, and I grew yep. up in a church that said debts. Well, it's so. funny because I've had ministers before, you know, ask the congregation or ask the group that they're praying for, "Are we debtors or trespassers today?" <laughs> 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 Just to get a sense of the room, so they could move in the right direction. Yeah, um, both are both are conveying the same thing. Um, um, I also noticed that the the uh, passage in Matthew doesn't doesn't include the end portion of the prayer when we normally say it, for thine is the kingdom, power and glory forever. Amen. What's any thoughts there? Um, 
Yeah, my only thought, I haven't really looked into this. I know we talked about it in the green room, but in yeah. the ESV translation, uh, there's a footnote here um, that uh, that includes that, but it doesn't put it actually in the text. And normally when that happens, it's a translation decision by the team of translators where they're looking at the earliest manuscripts. And some might have included that phrase and others mm-hmm. don't. And if there's not enough early manuscript evidence for a phrase, then sometimes the translation team will decide to exclude it from the main portion of the text and include it in a subscript like that. Yeah. Um, and my guess would be that's why they did that, that it's not in some of the earliest manuscripts. But like we said, uh, it doesn't mean that we can't use it in a liturgical way as a church. Um, because, you know, we'll sometimes use liturgy that isn't God's word. Yeah. And it certainly resonates with what God might have said or Jesus might have taught his disciples to pray. But um, that would be my educated guess. Um, and uh, goodness, I hope that seminary education was good for something. So it <laughs> <laughs> was a lot of hours and some money spent. But yeah. um, there's the educated guess. No, I, I I think that makes sense. Um, it's interesting in the prayer it says we uh, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, and then in verse fourteen Jesus says, "For if you forgive others their trespass, your Father will also forgive you." So um, maybe we're both right. I guess. Yeah, the debtors and the trespassers. Hey, he uses both right. of them. Yeah, yeah. So. Be interesting. I haven't. I didn't actually go and look at the original language before tonight to see what debt and trespasses. Or I could do that yeah. right now if you wanted me to. I'm but. team debtors, and uh, we'll throw hands over the issue. So, okay. um, but it, it does appear that uh, both could be uh, used. Yeah, uh, there. Um, so, well, another thing I wanted to just to tie up with is, you know, when we're praying, just some practical things. We are not letting God in on things that He doesn't already know. You know, that's that's a tension with prayers. Like, why why pray if God already knows what's going to happen? Um, what am I doing here? Um, prayer is a conversation with God um, where we're pouring our, out our hearts to a God who already knows us better than we know ourselves. And so as we converse with God about this world and about our needs, we actually come to realize that we are ones who are weak and dependent. We are the ones um, who are needy. And so that's why we pray. Um, and if you're anything like me, um, generally speaking, I don't enjoy asking for help on the horizontal level, right? Yep. I mean, for me to call you and even ask to use your car would be like, man, this is a big ask, Jacob. Um, in fact, somebody texted me on the way to Presbytery last weekend and, and said, this is a big ask, but I, I wonder if you could pick up my um, assistant pastor on the way into town because I don't have to be at Presbytery for another few hours. Yeah, And I was like, Man, the fact that he had to preface it with like, <laughs> this is like a huge thing I'm asking you to do. Yeah. Just reveals we don't like asking for help. And so prayer feels a lot like neediness sometimes. Um, but it's a great reminder because that's who we are. We're needy people um, and the world we live in isn't the way it should be. And so we bring all of those needs to God in prayer. Um, and it's a conversation with him. Um, and... Uh, and so that's what prayer is. I'd love to talk a little bit about just some practical things uh, when it comes to prayer, unless you've got other things that uh, are on your mind at this point. Nope. No, uh, no notes. So okay. yeah, practical tips. I think that's good. We're not letting God in on anything that he doesn't already know. So um, yep. that's something I, I think we should always keep in mind. Um, can, I, yeah. can I ask a few yes. questions before we get into the, the yep. practical side? Um, and I jotted these down as, as I was listening to you guys. Um, to go back to the beginning of the pod, uh, after the banter, but when you were talking about, um, and I, I know we've mentioned at Trinity Grace about, uh, Jesus, the first two words, our father, um, I don't want to hear what you're not saying because that, that I think my have a tendency to do that, which is how shocking it would have been. Right uh, to to ancient Israel, and immediately my thought is, yeah, they should have known that all along. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm kind of I'm, I, I stop myself when I you know by by thinking that I was like, oh, you guys just you know you missed the boat. But then I think about what other metaphors are used in the Old Testament, and I'm like, well, let me put on the defense attorney of ancient Israel here for a sec. I don't recall that 
relationship being so explicit. You know, when I'm in, you read in the, the prophets, you, you see the bride and the bridegroom or the wife who is cheated on the husband. Mm-hmm. You see those kind of things used, but you don't, I'm, I'm trying to think, and maybe it's there and I'm just blanking. But when you said that it would have been like shocking, I'm like, yeah, it would have been shocking because they have a totally different concept based upon their scriptures at the time of the metaphors that they had for Yahweh, mm-hmm. that the prophets had kind of railed on them saying, hey, you know, you're a whoring bride. Pardon the language out there, folks. Um, but that's just Ezekiel. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, um, and so I, 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 I don't know. Uh, the shocking would have been kind of the change in almost the relationship, right? Not so much that they just have totally missed it, mm-hmm. which I guess I just wanted to clarify that because in my mind, I, I you know, my automatically go to, oh, you guys just missed it. And, you know, God was always the father that, that kind of thing you should have really always gotten mm-hmm. from Moses on through. Uh, but then I sat back and thought about it. And I was like, well, wait a minute. Should they have gotten that? Yeah, I think Jesus is opening up new vistas in some ways for how they're thinking about the Lord um, and how they can address Him. And it makes sense that they're hearing it for the first time from the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, because He's always known the first person of the Trinity as God His Father. And in some ways, if you're unified to Him, He's now giving His disciples permission to pray in the same way that he addresses his father because we are united to Christ. Um, and, you know, he's not using those words or those theological terms here, but systematically we can draw those back in and say, um, uh, I don't know if I'm, if I'm grasping your question perfectly, Guillermo, but I just think Jesus is offering a, a new, a, like I said, a new vista to think about how we're relating to God. That maybe the Old Testament Jews and the disciples of the day completely didn't even have in their mind um, right. at the time that Jesus invited them to address God as the, or Yahweh as their father. So now they would have seen God as, I mean, I'm not saying they would, never would have seen God as the father of Israel. Um, right. And it, even in some instances in the Old Testament, you get God described as a mother who gathers his, you know, chicks under his arm or mm-hmm. Um, and there's very tender language. I'm saying that in that day and age, people did not address Yahweh with the Aramaic term Abba. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have been seen as irreverent, just like sometimes we see folks addressing uh, God in prayer as irreverent today uh, when they, you know, begin their prayer with maybe, you know, Daddy, um, which, you know, that's a whole nother conversation that we can have <laughs> and probably shouldn't have on the pod because yeah. we don't want to offend anybody, but... Um, it just wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have registered in yeah. our mind that this was an option. It's not necessarily, sure. I guess, the relationship that's new. It's more the familiarity of the relationship. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Because there is language in the Old Testament. I'm thinking of somewhere in Isaiah, it says something along the lines of, um, uh, I taught Israel their steps. It was I that took Ephraim yep. by the hands and taught them to walk. So there's this very like mm-hmm. paternal language between God and his people. Right. So it's not necessarily that idea that, that may have been new. It was, it's the personal familiarity. Right? When you go in your closet, you get to call Yahweh father. Yeah. 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 And it's not necessarily that he's national Israel's father, but he's like Guillermo's father. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the personal and the, the familiarity of it that yep. probably was new here. Yeah. Yeah. The the other thought that, or I don't know if this is a question or not, but um, I, I think prayer is a, is a big, it's a big umbrella, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and so self-disclosure, when I think of prayer, honestly, my prayers are more like voicemails to God. I don't hang around very long. <laughs> oh yeah, to for a, a response. It's you're just kind XO, of XO Guillermo. Yeah, uh, it, <laughs> yep. I mean that's kind of unfortunately that's. But I, you know when I think of prayer, I'm like I don't even know if that's an, a a recognized type of prayer other than 
that the very minimum, that's not a conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's me dropping off, uh, you know, uh, my grocery list to God of needs. Yeah. You know, and uh, I, I'm kind of trying to process through that versus mm-hmm. actually having prayer, which I think is supposed to be more communicative, c- communicative mm-hmm. and more dialogue than just shooting off a voicemail to God in the morning Yeah, and going on about your business. Well, I think what can be helpful there, too, is when you think, I mean, we've all heard this if you've grown up in the church, especially if you grew up in a youth group, the, the four aspects of prayer, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And oftentimes when we think of prayer, we're just doing supplication. Lord, these yeah. are my needs. It's like but we give we, a to-do list Yeah, for God. here's my laundry list. Here's yeah. my voicemail. But Take if we spend this, some time, I'm not saying that you can always do this, and um, and sometimes prayer should be you know a little bit sporadic, and you're just giving needs. Um, but if you're spending time adoring and confessing, um, it really sets the stage for, you know, okay, Lord, now I'm going to move into some of the needs that I have. But beyond that, I would just say we've all felt when we've expressed our needs and our neediness to God. I mean, Paul talks about it as a peace that surpasses all understanding, and it's intangible. Mm-hmm. And we don't always feel it when we pray, but I would be willing to bet that if you follow Jesus for any number of days and you have been a praying person, no matter how sporadic, you have felt what Paul is talking about. Um, There's some instances, some situations, some relationships in our life that we experience when we go to the Lord and talk about those things to Him. There is a sense of peace that washes over our hearts and souls that we can't empirically prove, right? that we just experience. And, you know, I'm just thinking of the laundry list. Sometimes I I lay out the laundry list and it's like, well, I feel more peaceful now because I've unloaded that burden to one who can actually hold it. Right. And, you know, that feels a little wishy-washy. It's not rational or logical, but, you know, that's the nature of a relationship. And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about prayer. We're talking about how are we relating to an actual person, a being, um, who we can't see, which yeah. you know makes it even guess, more difficult. I guess my question is more on when we when we think of prayer, is it only our communication, whether it's an adoration, supplication, a confession, or is there more to what prayer is mm-hmm. supposed to be? Because it seems like when we think or when I think of prayer or when I have thought of prayer. It's really from my end, mm-hmm. and I'm not really thinking of any other thing or expecting, honestly, anything else yep. but what I am shooting into the mix. Yep. What I'm producing, whether it's adorate, whatever it is, it's coming from me, and it's me generating, mm-hmm. and and so I, I'm, I'm just. I guess the question is, and this is going beyond what you know. Obviously, we're the scripture passage for tonight, but since we're talking about prayer, you know, I'm just kind of curious if there's, is sitting after you've done mm-hmm. and just sitting in silence with the Lord being part of prayer mm-hmm. and not just being your communication to God in, in yeah. any manner of just yeah, you're just not even talking, mm-hmm. and you're just maybe th- thinking about a, a passage or yeah, you know, it's just something yeah. that where it's just like man, prayer it feels weighty because mm-hmm. it only feels like I have to bring a sure. lot and produce yep going one way, and I was just kind of I don't know I was just thinking mm-hmm. about that as you guys were talking of what clicks in my head when i hear prayer it's always yep my my dump truck that i'm bringing into you know god's front lawn i think we have to be uh careful but i would completely um agree with what you're talking about because we got to be careful in the fact that we're not listening to god to say things that are out of accord with his word right right I mean, if we're sitting in silence and receiving a word from the lord that doesn't accord with his word we're kind of like well 
you know, some someone's wrong here. Right. Um, but I do think that there's an aspect of silence and meditation and receiving a word from the Lord, maybe through a promise um, or through reminding yourselves of promises that we find in God's word that are is completely appropriate. And so it can be a back and forth, especially as you're anchoring your prayers in his word. But then more than that, we do want to uh, maintain the category of God answering prayer. Right. And that might not happen while we're sitting on our couch drinking our coffee and praying for something. But at the end of the day, we might have had a great meeting or a great relational experience with somebody that we prayed for earlier that morning. And, you know, to at least pause and recognize, wow, the Lord answered that prayer. Um, and, you know, I think that a lot of times providence and other people come into play in that answering of prayer. Um, but it's it's a longer game than just unloading um, is are just my initial thoughts. Um, but it's hard because of the back and forth, you can get in trouble. Um, yeah, absolutely. Right? Uh, yeah, I, I totally, but I, but I, I don't want to dismiss the back and forth because it's not a one way conversation. Yeah. And I guess that's where I was, where I have a tendency to think of prayer. I think of it as more of what I'm bringing to the table. And honestly, the most, <laughs> kind of, I can say this, the more attractive part of prayer is to me that you nor know, I think about it is just trying to quiet my mind because mm-hmm. in a way prayer can be it's a total opposite sure where your you know over over caffeinated brain is just jibber jabbering mm-hmm. and I'm like I don't know how spiritually healthy that is because it's at least for me, I'm like the more attractive piece of it is actually having a conversation and I don't I don't want to use the word Zen or anything like that, but actually getting into a calmer state and being at peace mm-hmm. in that conversation like you would with a friend, you know. I mean again relationally on a couch, you know. Sure. Anyway. Yeah. Sorry, I don't. Yeah. I've kind of derailed this a little bit too far, but that's no, okay. Um, uh, before we get into some practicalities, I will say that the word uh, for debtor and trespass are two different words. Oh, um, and so uh, if you wanted that bow tied up, we are here for you tonight. Tie it. Um, but the the word debtor, uh, ophelateus, uh, which basically means a debtor, one who owes, one who is indebted, and then trespasses is the word. Peripatoma, uh, which is a falling away, a lapse, a slip. And so they are two different words, um, and they have uh, slightly different meanings. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it makes sense that we would be both a debtor and trespasser. Um, But let's get into some suggestions here um, uh, when it comes to prayer and our struggle with it. And the first suggestion I would say is be realistic. Um, Don't try to pray for an hour if you're not used to praying alone, because you will be frustrated. The Lord's Prayer, think about it, it takes like 20 seconds to pray out loud. And so that's how Jesus taught his disciples to pray, and it was enough for him. Now, you can launch off from that prayer to extend into minutes or maybe even hours if uh, if that's where uh, the Lord leads you, but we just have to be realistic um, if we've not been prayer warriors, quote unquote, our whole life, we can't imagine that tomorrow we're going to turn over a new leaf and all of a sudden um, uh, be that. And so uh, just start where you're at. Second, be honest. Um, this is something my daughter was expressing earlier tonight. If you're having a hard time praying or don't want to talk to God, talk to God about that. Um, and so you don't have to fake it. Um, but you can give it a shot. Like, Lord, I don't really want to be here this morning. And you'd be surprised at how that can snowball into, you know, um, actually conversing with the Lord in a rich way, if you're just honest. Sec- or third, think. Um, if you're praying for a friend or a family member, what do you love about him or her? Um, pray that God would grow that more. What annoys you? Uh, what would you like to see, um, you know, uh, the Lord doing in their life? Pray that God would give them repentance, teach them, uh, and teach you to appreciate the difference, maybe. Um, And you can even use that as an opportunity to repent of judgment. Um, The other thing is plan. Um, If you're going to try to pray for longer periods of time, you've got to take some time to prep. 
it is really hard to pray freestyle for long stretches of time for most people. And so create a little outline. You know, if you're looking to spend 30 minutes to an hour or maybe half a day or having a whole day retreat potentially, which would be worthwhile thinking about, you're not going to be able to do that without some outlines, some verses, maybe some hymns and some prayers, some subjects to pray for. And so you got to bring that with you as a guide for your prayer time if you really want to settle into maybe a half a day or full day of prayer. And, you know, you can try initially just to set aside an hour, an hour and a half on some Saturday morning and go someplace where you can be alone, take your outline and just try it out. Can I tell you why I like that tip so much? Yep. Um, <clears throat> I'm it, glad you like it, by the way. Yeah. If you're if if you're in the the so in the corporate world, there's this thing, and quite frankly, I I dislike them quite a bit. But there's this thing in the corporate world where you have like one on ones, especially like with your boss, they'll put like a monthly one on one on your calendar, which just like a thirty minute sit down chat, undefined kind of time. And I hate them mm. because it's like, what are we supposed to talk about? You. You're in my work all the time, right? Like you're yep. marking it up with red pins all the time. You know what's going on. <laughs> like there's, there's nothing, nothing new here, you know? <laughs> um, but what's helpful for those as the underling, as the employee, is to go into those meetings with something like an outline. Like yep. here are the two or three things I want my boss to take away from like, you know, what's going on in my world and where the where I need, you know, his assistance to, to tackle some challenges or, or where there's, uh, you know, blockages on certain work projects and things like that. So in, in the same way, like your prayer is your kind of, you know, scheduled 30 minute, you know, outlook meeting planner one-on-one with God. Um, and so, cause I think a lot of people get hung up on like, it, it feels somehow inauthentic to mm-hmm. prep for a prayer. Um, because like God is, omnipotent, right? And is with you all the time. And so if, if you're going to prep for a prayer with God, well, God is with you while you're prepping that mm-hmm. prayer. So why don't you just pray it to him then? And it's like, yeah, I get that. But at the same time, if I'm going to have a one-on-one conversation with, with my boss at work and I'm going to take a few minutes to prepare what I want to get out of that and, and, and what I want him to come away with that thing, it, it makes sense that I could prep mm a few thoughts for what I want to communicate to the Lord while I'm having this dedicated time to do that. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, it's something that we often overlook when it comes to prayer. can be helpful. Um, the other thing is you can form a habit of praying spontaneously. And so prayers don't have to be long to be good. Sometimes we need a feast. Other times we need a quick sandwich on the run. And so not trying to toot my own horn, but for instance, if, if you get in the car and you're on the way to a family vacation, you know, guys, let's just pray for a few minutes before we get on the road. Like that's a spontaneous prayer, right? Um, you're about to head into a meeting and you park and you're five minutes early, you know, just pray quickly. Um, and the Puritans were really good at talking about this spontaneous prayer. Like, it doesn't have to be um, long and drawn out. You can just pray through your day as things come to mind. It can be a few words and just get on with your day. But you're at least keeping that conversation going with the Lord. Um, the other thing, and we could have a whole other podcast about this, and gee, you were hitting on this earlier with your question. If you don't get an answer, keep it up. I mean, Luke 18 talks about the parable of the persistent widow who continually prayed over. and I mean, she bothered people. And the whole idea was like, let's bother God. And so, um, I mean, I know that people have been praying for the salvation of family members, for healing from sickness and disease for years and years. And sometimes the Lord answers that prayer after 18, 20, 22 years. And um, man, faithful prayer um, had a lot to do with that. And then the last thing I'll say is proper expectations are just key. Sometimes it's just about showing up. And so prayer, when done faithfully, is not always exciting. It feels mundane. It's about presence. I had one uh, pastor friend talk about an illustration of going to a nursing home every day to visit his mom. And it's completely mundane, but the presence is important, and over time it matters. But the opposite of that is seeing a family member that you might rarely see coming over for Christmas, lunch, or dinner. And the deep conversations and the high emotions they're experienced, but it's kind of fleeting. 
And so what does it look like to head to the nursing home every day and just be present? I mean, it's a mundane activity in some ways. But over time, I mean, those are the things that actually really matter that, that are not fleeting. And so I love that idea of, you know, expectations. I mean, we're going to go sit in the nursing home for 30 minutes to an hour. Um, might not be the best image to have in mind when you're thinking about prayer, but I think the idea gets across there. Um, don't expect uh, high emotions and, and deep conversations every time. Sometimes it's just about being there. So... That's right. I like that. Sometimes it's just about being there. Uh, final thoughts, fellas? We good to wrap? All right. I'm falling asleep. I'm going to fall asleep on the way home. It's going to be bad. I'm putting you to sleep like I do on Sunday morning? No. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Dang. Nope, nope. I think the uh, the hour and lack of sunlight is, is <laughs> putting me right. to sleep. So. You and Buddy Holly. Yeah, I have this yeah, circadian rhythm that just like as soon as it gets dark, I just like. Well, you're about to get hit hard when we fall back this weekend. By the way, we're falling back on Saturday night. We are. Yes. That's right. Yes. Oh, so, is it? Yes. Set your clock back before you come to church on Sunday. Otherwise, you can help us set up. <laughs> Golly. That's why all the Premier League games on Saturday are at weird times. We'll welcome the help. That's right, because the other The British have already done yeah, it, and we don't do, do it, it until Saturday night. There you go. Okay. That explains things. And next week we won't be here. You can oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, Michael's going to be on a, a glorious vacation um, in the Caribbean next week, yeah, and that's so right. I actually don't know where you're going to be. <laughs> it's Michael. not a vacation. You just, you just but, told me you were going to be yeah. here. So, um, but yeah, so we'll be off next week, folks. But uh, we will be back in two weeks, uh, picking up on our series on the Sermon on the Mount. We hope you'll join us then. Until then, if you've got questions on prayer, the Lord's Prayer, the Sermon on the Mount. Send those to questions at trinitygracesa.org. We look forward to hearing from you. And until next time, we'll see you later.